You are listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. I'm D.L. Merlin. Welcome to this podcast of articles from Better Homes and Gardens, June 2021 edition, a presentation of Airs LA. Our first compilation of articles is from the Life section, from the editors. Home Field Advantage I've become a hammock person. Suspended between two oak trees, with a good book and a slight breeze, is my new favorite summer thing. My hammock of choice? Breeza. $90. LaSiesta.com It's super roomy, weather-resistant, and has multi-cord design. Read. Distributes weight so it doesn't sag or bunch up in the middle. Diana Dickinson, Features Editor, and Frank, Jack Russell Terrier. Jessica Thomas, the Style Director, says, A drink dispenser is a must for small gatherings. It takes the work off the host and helps everyone stay distant and fill their own glasses. But until you're ready to bust it out for a party, use this handy glass dispenser to meet your daily water intake goals. Drop in slices of citrus, fruit, and some herbs like mint or basil for a little extra flavor that will keep you coming back for more. Check out bhg.com forward slash infused water for flavor inspiration. Oma Ford, executive editor, says fire it up, pizza pronto. This portable pizza oven is by far our best beloved patio splurge. Fueled by hardwood pellets, it turns out bubbling wood-fired pies in minutes. My 12-year-old now makes the dough, and everyone tops their own. A family dinner win. Pictured is an Una Freya 12 wood pellet pizza oven. $299 at una.com. O-O-N-I dot com. Katie Kiek Condon, the home editor, says, Bring the tunes. This waterproof speaker sounds great and pairs easily but it's the hang anywhere hook I appreciate most. JBL Clip 3 Portable Bluetooth Speaker, $50, qvc.com. Erica Metzger, the beauty editor, says, We are a beach family who likes to spend full days on the sand. Having a clean, dry gathering spot is super important. Sand-free mat from $50, backcountry.com. We'll end our editor's pick with our marketing editor, Lauren Bengston. She says, this basket is as stylish as it is functional, and most important, keeps the wine safe. Corsica Picnic Basket, $75, picnictime.com. Base Pinja writes all about sunscreen in the beauty section today. She starts off with, reduce your risk. According to the Skin Cancer Foundation, daily use of SPF lowers the risk of melanoma by 50%. Cover your bases. Don't forget to apply sunscreen to hands, feet, eyelids, ears, lips, and the back of the neck. Mineral, chemical, broad spectrum. Oh my, if you find shopping for a sunscreen a little confusing, you're not alone. A Northwestern University study found that only 43% of people surveyed fully grasped the definition of SPF. Only 7% knew what to look for on a label if they were seeking a sunscreen that would help prevent the signs of aging. Let's learn more of how to get the protection you need 
and the ingredients you want. No PhD required. First is reading the label. Lingo to look for when shopping for sunscreen. Broad spectrum. First things first, using a broad spectrum sunscreen is a must. The term indicates that the product will protect you against UVB rays, the main cause of sunburns, and UVA rays. Too much exposure to both can speed signs of aging and lead to skin cancer. SPF, sun protection factor, indicates how much more UV radiation you can be exposed to before burning compared to when you're not wearing sunscreen. Choose a broad spectrum formula with at least SPF 30 protection, says Joshua Zelchner, MD, a New York City dermatologist. Water resistant. If you're going to be outside in the water or exercising, look for water resistant on the label. Sunscreens can't claim to be waterproof or sweatproof, but water resistant formulas will protect you while you're swimming or sweating for 40 minutes or 80 minutes, depending on what the label says. Chemical sunscreen, how it works. Chemical sunscreens absorb UV rays, convert them to heat, and then release it. They're composed of ingredients that are called organic filters, says Kavita Mariwala, MD, a dermatologist in West Islip, New York. In SBF terminology, organic doesn't mean natural. It refers to carbon-based chemical ingredients, commonly avobenzone, octanozate, and homosalate. They take about 30 minutes to absorb into the skin, so remember to apply before heading outdoors, Zeltzner says. What to consider? Chemical formulas are popular because they blend into skin quickly and tend to feel weightless, even at higher SPF levels. They are also easier to wash off than mineral formulas, Marawala says. One of the debates is whether chemical formulas harm coral reefs. But as of January 2021, sunscreens that contain oxobenzone and octanozate are banned in Hawaii. Sunscreens labeled reef safe don't contain these two ingredients. Remember to reapply every two hours. The clock starts ticking the minute your sunscreen hits your skin. The key thing to remember is that sunscreen efficacy begins declining the minute you put it on, not just when you're out in the sun, Marawala says. Mineral sunscreen, how it works. Mineral or physical sunscreens sit on top of the skin as a shield against the harmful rays. They contain zinc oxide alone or in combination with titanium dioxide and are effective immediately after you apply them. Be aware that products labeled mineral enriched contain a mix of minerals and chemicals. What to consider? Many of the latest mineral formulas feature the words sheer or invisible on the label, which means they won't leave behind the dreaded white coat. Even if you don't see those words on the packaging, Rest assured that most physical SPFs have evolved and can be easily rubbed into the skin and blended in. Mara Wallace suggests taking the buzzword clean with a grain of salt. Products with ingredients like zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, aka mineral sunscreens, are considered clean because they are minerals rather than lab-created filters. 
but clean is not defined by the FDA or the Cosmetic Ingredient Review Board, she says. Our next article is in the home section, Container Gardening. This article is written by Elizabeth Hardina, Square Foot Garden. Pack a miniature landscape into a compact, long-lasting, and easy-care tabletop display. The picture shows a lovely pot of flowers. It's called Meadow in a Pot. This threesome recalls a field of cherry daisies. The petals of Lady Godiva yellow calendula and white fan flowers stand out against the red-tinged chartreuse molten lava exhals. A pot of gold dust, Mecardonia, extends the sunny scene. Care? Water at least every other day. They like full to part sun. A note tells us that plucking spent flowers encourages the plants to bloom even more. Our next container garden is called Dry and Carefree. Plant it and forget it could be the motto for this succulent planter, which thrives in heat and doesn't need frequent waterings. Mix a range of forms, including rosette-shaped echeveria, spiky aloes, and trailers like burrow's tail. Plant them in a sandy cactus or succulent mix. Care, water weekly at most, full to part sun. A note for this planter says, as plants grow, move them to their own pots and tuck smaller replacements into the tabletop container. Our next tabletop container is called Made for Shade. A deep purple Huchera accents a collection of bright green ferns, all of which love a cool, sheltered spot. Composing a pleasing arrangement requires variety. Bird's nest ferns have a tall, strappy shape with wavy edges. A lemon button fern has teeny draping fronds, and the delicate leaflets of a maiden hair flutter in every breeze. Care? Water? Keep moist. Sun? No thank you. Here's a note for this made-in-the-shade container garden. At summer's end, plant Huchera in a shady spot in the ground. Over winter ferns, indoors. The author gives us some simple rules to keep multi-plant containers flourishing in harmony. First, group plants by needs. If you pair a sun-worshipping cactus with a shady forest floor native, nobody will be happy. Read plant labels and take them seriously. Hint, in well-managed garden centers, plants are often arranged by light and water needs. Second, always supply drainage. Few plants enjoy being waterlogged. If your pot lacks drainage, drill holes yourself. Use a regular bit for plastic, a masonry bit for clay, and a tile bit for ceramic. For a 12 to 18 inch pot, aim for three evenly spaced quarter inch holes. Third, don't skimp on water. Soil in containers dry out more quickly than the ground. So unless you've planted succulents, water thoroughly whenever soil is dry to a couple of inches. If you'll be away for a few days, place pot in deep shade and drench it with water. Our next article is in the shopping section, written by Katie Kia Condon. It's entitled, Hunter Gatherers. Saturday morning transforms these design aficionados into intrepid flea market explorers. They divulge their tips to get the most out of your next excursion. First, they suggest a market go bag. Come prepared to wheel and deal. Protection. Don't forget your mask. Most markets require them, and they're always a good idea. 
add a hat and sunscreen for outdoor affairs. Bag in a bag, roll up an extra tote to carry small buys. A tape measure, determine if your find will fit your space and into your car. Water and snacks, treasure hunting requires stamina. Cart, keep a collapsible set of wheels in your trunk for rolling out heavy purchases. The photo for this article shows two young women, Natalie Papier and her best friend, Kim Downis, and they're each holding a couple of cane-bottom chairs. Natalie Papier, the brunette on the left in the photo, doesn't mind when things get a little weird. She built her Charlotte interior design business, Home Ec, by catering to clients who want to introduce a playful note into otherwise traditional or modern spaces. Together with her BFF, the blonde in the photo, Kim Downis, she scours the flea markets for an eclectic range of furniture and accessories that will amplify her clients' personalities. The hunt can be a bit of a needle in a haystack, so they stay focused on buying for quality and charming character. They took us to one of their favorite haunts, the Kane County Flea Market, outside Chicago, and shared what to look for, how to bargain, and a few other pro tips that will change the way you explore your local market. Caning is hot, but it's expensive to rehab damage. The stools the ladies are holding in the photo are a triple threat, perfect condition, classic styling, and counter height, ideal for island seating. Another tip is to ask vendors to stash large purchases for you so you don't have to lug them around. Remember to note where you left everything. They say, buy what you love right away. The things you question, go back at the end and negotiate. Somewhere in the middle, we make a point not to skip any areas, but at the start of the day, we bypass the beginning booths because they're the busiest. We start in the middle so we can talk to sellers and get more attention. They say there's an art to haggling. Don't look at your conversations with vendors as merely transactional. You're building a relationship with someone you'll probably see again, Kim Donna says. Start by chatting, asking questions, and getting the backstory on objects you like. A good story is part of the personality vintage items can bring to a home. Shop the booth. If you buy more than one thing, you have more leverage for bargaining. Research. Look up what similar items are selling for online and never pay as much as Etsy or other curated online shops are charging. Start by offering about half the online retail price. Negotiate. Vendors expect some back and forth. Have your goal price in mind, but always ask their price first. You never know, they may ask way less than expected. Be patient. At market close, vendors often prefer making a deal rather than carting everything home. And their last tip is, Cash is king. Many dealers take credit cards, but some are more flexible about prices when you pay cash. Some shopping strategies. Some people seek out certain collectibles or brands. For us, it really comes down to if something makes us happy, Natalie Papier says. From there, keep in mind their buy versus skip rules. Textiles. For rugs, some wear is good, but tears and holes aren't. Other non-starters, stains and smells. Vintage upholstered furniture is high on their list, but it has got to be in great condition or easy to recover, like a bench. 
It can be expensive to recover something like a sofa. Wood. There's a fine line between aged and junky. Patina or a few dings are okay, but pass if something is really wobbly or is chipped veneer. Look inside drawers for dovetail joints, a sign of quality. Always skip. Transformed furniture. Don't pay for someone else's idea. Always buy. A great-looking trunk. Besides extra storage, they work for nightstands or coffee tables. Give them a smell test. Musty odors? Skip it. Our next article takes us outside the home to the dirt. This article is written by Barbara Damrosch. She tells us to keep in mind, there are no good bugs or bad bugs, only situations. Earwigs, for example, might eat your zinnias, but they also eat aphids, mites, and other pests. While deterring pests, try to disturb the natural order as little as possible. When it comes to pest control, don't panic. There are simple, safe ways to handle troublesome insects in your garden. Avoiding major pest damage starts with creating a resilient garden. Give your plants fertile soil, full of organic matter. Avoid drought stress with careful watering and create a diverse environment that's friendly to birds and bees. Your garden will be healthier and more vigorous, so better able to fend off pests and disease. It's also worth remembering that not every bug you spot is one to worry about. Some insects may be beneficial, consuming pests preying on other plants. Others may be pollinating or drinking nectar. Wait and keep an eye out for major damage before reacting, and be willing to tolerate a few troublemakers. If pest insects do appear in destructive numbers, consider holding off on pesticides they can be toxic to wildlife and pets. And even pesticides labeled natural and organic tend to be indiscriminate, killing beneficial insects along with destructive ones. Plus, some pest insects develop a resistance to pesticides over time. Instead, when it's time to fight back, try a different approach, mechanical methods that leave nature's web intact. On this page, are drawings of several familiar foes. We'll start off with a bulbous pink larvae of the Colorado potato beetle. They hatch from eggs on the leaves, then pupate in the soil. The yellow-striped adults emerge from the soil, then mate and voraciously eat leaves of potatoes and other nightshades. Striped cucumber beetles. Larvae and adults feed on cucumber and melon plants, plus spread plant diseases. Aphids. Look for masses of tiny bodies and chewed or distorted leaves. Japanese beetles. Handsome, but annoyingly fond of hundreds of plants. The grubs kill turf grass. Cabbage worms. While butterflies lay eggs on brassicas, tiny green worms hatch and eat the leaves. Cutworms. At night, the caterpillars sever young plant stems while feeding. By day, they hide in soil. Next are some strategies for bugs be gone. These simple physical acts may not wipe out your plant predators, but if used persistently, will keep populations low enough to tolerate. First, remove by hand. Many pest insects can be removed by hand in their adult and larval stages. Even egg masses can be scraped off leaves. 
drown pests by dropping them into a bucket of water and a squirt of dishwasher detergent. This method works best on ones that hold still, like Japanese beetles. Caterpillar-filled webs can be cut out of trees. Cutworms often can be found by wiggling a finger shallowly in the soil around the young plants they threaten. 2. Hose them off. Some pests are tiny and numerous, like aphids, or nearly invisible like mites, which are technically relatives of spiders, not insects, affect both edibles and ornamentals. They show their presence with stippled, yellowed, or dead leaves, and sometimes webs. Both aphids and mites weaken or kill plants by sucking their nutrient-rich sap. To get rid of them, spray with a garden hose forcefully enough to kill or dislodge them, but gently enough that you don't harm the plant. Repeat hosing whenever you see them in destructive numbers. Third, suck them up. A vacuum cleaner may seem like an odd garden tool, but suction from a standard shop vac will remove insects like potato beetles, especially if you have large plantings and little time for hand picking. Use the narrow slot attachment, which is more gentle than an open hose. It will capture bugs, but leave foliage behind. Be sure to empty the vacuum bag into the trash promptly. This trick works well on pests that don't sit still, such as leafhoppers, cucumber beetles, squash beetles, and flea beetles. For best results, vacuum early in the day when bugs are sluggish from the dew. Fourth, create a barrier. Protect transplants that are not tough enough to fend off nibblers by covering them with a floating row cover. Brands such as GrowGuard or Agribon sell sheets of row covers made of white spun-bonded synthetic material that lets in air, light, and water, but excludes insects, as long as none have overwintered on the soil. Hold down at the sides with sandbags, stones, or bricks. The covers protect beds from egg-laying carrot rust flies, cabbage butterflies, squash vine borers, and others. It's usually most needed when plants are small and vulnerable, but bad infestations, you might keep it on for a, the life of the plant. Remove periodically for weeding or permanently if a crop that requires insect pollination, like squash. For a barrier against cutworms, sink a bottomless plastic cup a half inch into the soil around each plant. Fifth, plant smartly. Planting vegetables in a new spot each year foils overwintered pests. You can also time plantings to minimize infestations of pests, like flea beetles and cabbage worms. Brassicas, such as arugula and broccoli, for example, are less bothered by these insects when planted in fall's cooler temps than they would be earlier in the season. Of course, nature to the rescue. Tomato hornworms can annihilate nightshades, but if you spot one of these fat green caterpillars covered in white, rice-shaped specks, leave it be. The specks are the cocoons of brachnoid wasps. The parasitic wasps lay eggs inside a caterpillar. Once they hatch, the larvae devour the caterpillar from within, then spin cocoons on its back. New wasps soon emerge to defeat other hornworms. Let's end today's podcast with some great tips from Better Homes and Gardens, your guide to a happy, healthy life. $1,548 is the average annual cost of car insurance. To get the best price, always comparison shop. Websites like Insurify or The Zebra can help. Also consider a higher deductible, which can lower monthly costs. 
If you've been driving less during the pandemic, ask about a low mileage discount. June 2nd is National Running Day. You don't have to run long or fast to benefit. Even jogging slowly, five to 10 minutes daily, reduces your risk of heart disease. Want to start running? During the middle of a walk, run five to 10 seconds of every minute. Get coaching from free training apps like Couch to 5K. Our next tip is about vision. Vision strain or eye issues as a result of looking at a computer affect 58% of Americans. The average worker spends seven hours on a computer, which can cause dry, itchy eyes and blurred vision. To protect your peepers, position your monitor 20 to 28 inches from your eyes and use a glare filter on your screen. And every 20 minutes, look at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds. Did you know that 73% of workers say they feel burnt out? Top reasons? No separation between work and home life and unmanageable workloads. If you're working from home, set clear start and stop times and establish a ritual to mark the end of the workday, perhaps tidying your desk. If you're commuting, change clothes when you get home to signal that downtime has started. Our last tip is astounding. 48% of Americans don't have emergency supplies on hand. Stash three days of water and food for your family, including pets. Also have a first aid kit, copies of personal documents, a personal charger for your phone, and a seven-day supply of all medicines you take regularly. This brings us to the end of today's articles. This podcast is for the sole use of our blind, low vision, and print-impaired listeners. Any unauthorized use is prohibited. I'm D.L. Merlin, and I'll be back soon with some more articles. Thanks for listening.